You're about to enjoy this replay of the Sons of UCF Live brought to you by Dariga, matching your company with the right talent. Today, I want to talk more about Dariga, a company that's revolutionizing the way businesses tackle one of their most critical challenges, finding the right talent. Dariga stands out for the groundbreaking approach to recruitment, which is really more like matchmaking. They also have deep-rooted ties to UCF. Ray Bazzi, their founder, is a UCF alum who actually started the company based on a class project during his MBA program. Also, their commitment to UCF runs deep. 95% of their employees are UCF graduates. Many companies turn to Dariga, and you should too. To find out more, go to nightrecruiting.com. That's night with a K to learn more about Dariga. Dariga, matching your company with the right talent. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trey Stroko, along with Adam Eaton. Welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. Adam, some things have been going on this week. There have been some things, Trace. I'm looking forward to a positive 60 minutes of the Sons of UCF. <laughs> Nothing but positivity over the next 60 plus minutes. I'm glad you're all here with us to enjoy in the positivity. I, uh, by the way, I wanted to get back with you. I, I wanted to let you know what I wanted for Christmas. Yeah, I know you'd okay. asked me that. I did. I, did. On your yep. list. I want a let successful me... week for UCF football with early signing day. Okay. Pulling names out of the transfer portal, a successful bowl game. I don't think these are too much to ask. Do you? Uh, well, I mean, success is a really relative term, but I look, I think that's a really robust Christmas list. I did. I did make a call to Santa on your behalf. Uh, and so maybe by the end of the show, How'd I do. How'd I do? Well, we'll talk later. I'll talk off air. I don't want to. But maybe by the end of the show, we'll see if we have any uh, any update from Santa on how we've been this year and what our uh, what our options are. Well, some booms. We'll talk about that and the quarterback situation. Let's talk about Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, getting information that the Knights, unlike Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech's going to arrive on Monday. Knights are going to bus over on Tuesday. That's when the first media availability, they plan a media availability on Wednesday as well. They're still working through some of the details for early signing day and what the media availabilities are going to look like. But Knights arriving a day after Georgia Tech, of course, the game coming up Friday, December 22, 6.30, and uh, both teams have sold out there a lot. And no other announcements on how many tickets uh, have been sold for this game. Uh, we also now know uh, the save the date for the game in Gainesville against the Gators, Saturday, October 5th. Now, we should do some sort of Suns tailgate party for that one, don't you think? Well, this is breaking news. I don't, many people don't know this, and many people don't care, frankly. And I don't blame you, by the way. October 5th, UCF Mike's birthday as well. So this could be a combo birthday party tailgate situation. I'm not sure if the bright line goes to Gainesville. We'll figure that out. But <laughs> I'm not uh, sure this, Mrs. UCF <laughs> Mike is going to be too keen on that program. <laughs> but I'm all, I'm all in. Let's let's set up a tent there in Swampland and, uh, and, and root on to a victory. Uh, that'll be here soon enough. Some booms now. UCF been losing guys to the transfer portal. Finally starting to claw some guys back. Won this Thursday afternoon. Linebacker Nakai Hill-Green. Grad transfer from Charlotte. Before that, at Michigan, all AAC. Third teamer. How about this? 6'2", 232 pounds, 73 tackles, nine tackles for loss, two sacks. Much needed. Knights bring in a guy from the portal. You had me at 6'2", 230. Uh, and look, I don't... Not, I don't pretend to know everything about sports. All I know is Leger Doosable of UCF fame retweeted and said, this guy is a major player. I called some of his games this year. Great get for UCF. If it's good enough for Doos, it's good enough for me. I'll take it. Also, uh, Brian Threat, safety from Cincinnati, comes in from the portal. And center Jabari Brooks, all Southern Conference grad transfer from Samford. So that's three in. More interesting, perhaps, uh, than a couple of those names on the portal is quarterback commit EJ Colson says he's <laughs> I didn't know this was a thing till today, to be honest with you. Reclassifying from the 2025 to the 2024 recruiting class expects to sign on early signing day next week. Could be a May enrollee. Makes the quarterback room a little more interesting, uh, Adam, since the Knights will not have Grayson McCall as part of that room. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, obviously, you know, he's he's a kid with a lot of talent. I mean, I think I saw 31 touchdown passes to one interception, just won the Georgia State Championship. 
Um, he's, he's obviously a player that's been really exciting. And so, Hey, I just love that you can graduate whenever you want, by the way, because if I had known that <laughs> I figured that out earlier in high school, but B, I mean, he does make some more competition in that quarterback room, which is definitely something that we need. So, um, you know, but a true freshman, he's only going to be 17 by the time he steps on campus. So he won't actually turn 18 until later in the season. That's a tough ask. I ask a 17 year old kid right off of high school to, to come and play in the big 12. Uh, but I mean, his talent is undeniable. And if not, if anything else, he'll get a year extra development, hopefully, and solidify the quarterback room. So highest rated quarterback recruit, I believe, in UCF history, if all those numbers are are going to shake out the way they are. So it's definitely good news to have talent on campus. Better to have talent than not have talent. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, let me tell you a guy in his stats and tell me if you like this quarterback. 64 of 98 across six games, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. 103 net yards rushing, another touchdown on the ground. That's Timmy McClain. Uh, they've got a bona fide guy in that quarterback room already to go with Dylan Risk, Xavier Williams, and then uh, incoming EJ Colson and Riley Trujillo uh, expected to sign as well. But you're seeing some of the fan base bubble up with, we got our guy. Why do we need to dip into the portal? Is there a question there? Because yeah, because I, I have questions. And and look, I, I like Timmy McLean a lot. I think he played well last year, but he was also inconsistent. So what we need to see is will he take this offseason to take those next steps that he needs to take as a quarterback? I, I have no doubt he has the tools and the ability to do so. But right now, it's, it's just kind of an unknown. So I, I understand UCF's um, desire to go shop and see if there's somebody else in the portal that can help out. And look, I think Timmy McLean certainly is a really quality quarterback. But I think at the net net of this, Trace, is competition breeds success. So Timmy's going to have a chance to continue to play and improve. We know what his skill set is, and we know where he has opportunities to, to improve. He can do that great. You bring in someone to push him. You have young guys nipping at your heels. Then you've got the makings of a competition. I think that 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 will make the quarterback room better overall, and then the best player will win the job. But you know, I, I'm not out on Timmy McLean, but we certainly know he's got to take a couple of steps if we want to be where we think we can be next year. And a lot of this also revolves around the the big three. We haven't heard yet from from any of the big three: R.J. Harvey, Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson. Their inclusion or removal from the team obviously will have a big impact as well. So I think we're in a decent spot. I understand why you go get somebody in the portal. I think that's a good idea. Competition will breed success, and let the best man win the job. The way you describe Timmy McLean, one might argue, is the way many describe John Rice Plumley: inconsistent, uh, needing a push. Question, though, here I would ask of you is do we head to another Mikey Keene versus John Rice Plumley? Uh, my word here, split in the locker room and amongst the fan base. If a lot of the uh, uh, team you saw, uh, you know, the comments uh, in support of Timmy McLean as, uh, you know, Grayson McCall fell through and chose North Carolina State after leaving Coastal Carolina, do you head for another situation like that? The possibility always exists. I think in today's college football with bringing bringing transfer portal guys in, bringing high school guys in who want to play early on and play right away, right? You're seeing a play out of Georgia, um, the number one recruit in the nation. He's not going to flip to uh, to Nebraska, which caused uh, Kyle McCord not to go to Nebraska because he wants to start. So you're going to see that everywhere, Trace. I, I don't know that you can really, um, you know, protect against the downside there, but you're also going to see what you saw last year, which is quarterbacks go down and you need that number two quarterback to be ready and step up. So I think having two quarterbacks is to your advantage, but yes, there's certainly going to be some opportunity for guys inside the team, coaches perhaps even to, to be a little bit divided on who should really be calling the signals on Saturday. A lot of the hype uh, the last couple of days have been around Grayson McCall. Uh, did you buy into the hype? Did you think he would be a knight? I, I thought we had a really good chance, right? I thought we had a really good chance to, to get him here. Obviously, you come to campus, you make a very public visit, you make a very public appearance at an albeit empty basketball arena. Uh, and so I, well, I thought we had opportunity to potentially snag him. But you, you just know at some point in, in, in 2023 college football, NIL and money is going to be a thing. And, you know, that's the part where it's kind of unknown for us at UCF, where our budget lies, where we want to spend our dollars. We've kind of jokingly done the money ball reference where UCF has to maybe be a little bit more selective in how they spend uh, what they have. So I thought we had a chance for, for Grayson. I think getting on campus looked good. Uh, but I mean, when he left, you and I were talking uh, off air recently, Trace, about car dealerships, right? 
when you leave the dealership without buying a car, odds are good you're not coming back to buy that car. And when you go to one dealership, you get a price. What do you do? You go to the next dealership down the road and you shop that price. I think there's a lot of parallels to, to what happens sometimes with some of this transfer portal stuff. And I think when he left and we didn't hear after a day, after a day and a half, after two days, I think then you saw the writing in the wall for what his choice may end up being. You think, though, UCF may be a little too public in their courtship of Grayson McCall. Bring him to the basketball team, Terry Mahajra there, Christine Malzahn there. Uh, they were really sending a message to the fan base, no doubt, fundraised a bit off of that for the kingdom uh, by his appearance. But they really were very public about their courtship of him. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, UCF typically is a little bit less um, uh, obvious with some of their decisions and some of the things that they do. I don't know how much of that was leaked by, you know, by McCall's camp where, you know, where he's announcing a visit, where he's saying, I'm going to be here. And I don't think UCF put out a tweet saying, by the way, Grayson McCall will be there Saturday. Stop by by. Signing autographs. <laughs> we'll be there. <laughs> now, the basketball game is interesting. And, and I'm curious on that decision. I think that, you know, that came up on this week's Around the Kingdom. So you guys can check that out. But it's interesting the way that broke out. But I don't, UCF's typically more tight lip tray. So the fact that it was out that he was even visiting smells maybe like a leak from McCall's camp. And now you can do the, the backward analysis and figure out why that could happen and how the decision played out. Maybe you kind of get your answer as to how some of that stuff played out. But it was interesting to see, you know, afterwards, there's some rumors that maybe UCF wasn't all bought in and whatnot. But I don't, I don't know the stats. I don't know how often Terry Mahajra meets with football recruits. I don't know how often Christy Malzahn meets with football recruits. It seemed like this one was a little bit different. Well, let's talk a little bit more about quarterbacks with Stephen Hamner, a sports performance consultant, former college football quarterback. Mm -hmm. He does a podcast as well, Quarterback Spotlight. Stephen, welcome into Sons of UCF Live. Hey, Phyllis. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to, uh, to talking quarterbacks. Well, let's get into your background a little bit more. I did the brief intro, but yeah. tell us a little bit about you and, and what makes you uh, knowledgeable about the quarterback position. Yeah, yeah. L like you mentioned, we are in the sports performance field, so we work with a lot of uh, baseball and football guys and football, particularly the the quarterback position as being an overhead athlete and um, played a little bit of small-time college football. Wasn't very good, so they moved me to uh, to safety. That tells you how successful I was <laughs> throwing, the, throwing the football. My only, uh, my only touchdown in college was to the other team. Um, and so shortly after that, I was no longer under, under center. Um, but yeah, we did that in college. And since then, uh, we've been working with, uh, mostly MLB and NFL guys the past 10, 10, 12 years or so. Uh, and we just kind of have like a, a quarterback niche, if you will, uh, when it comes to the, to the position. Well, that's your background. Uh, the interest uh, of UCF fans the last couple of days has been coastal Carolina quarterback, Grayson McCall. A lot of fans thought he would have been a good fit. What do you think? It looked like he would have yeah. slid right in, a veteran guy, and, and been able to run the uh, Gus Malzahn offense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess I was pretty surprised when I looked on Twitter and saw that he didn't commit to to UCF, especially all the uh, – I heard you all talking a little bit before we jumped on, but like the the, the pictures from the basketball game and kind of just seemed like a like a done deal. But that's, uh, that's the world of college football and, and quarterbacks. But to, the, to your point – Mouse are looking in, looked like it was going to be a great fit. Maybe a guy who maybe could uh, could open the passing a bit more than usual for UCF and still be a threat with the run game. Uh, but I guess now we'll we'll never really entirely know. So, Stephen, obviously, you, you know, you've been tracking the, the portal of where quarterbacks are going. Yeah. Obviously, now all assumes UCF is still continuing to shop in the portal. If for some reason Gus Malzahn called you right now and said, hey, Stephen, <laughs> give me a couple. Don't hold your breath on that one. <laughs> I'm not saying he wouldn't. What are some names that, that are still out there that you think would be a good fit for, for UCF and of the style of offense they want to run? Yeah, well, well, if you had a bunch of money, you'd go up to one of the top guys, right, like Cam Ward or, or, or Will Howard. But uh with that probably not being the realistic approach a, a few names do come to mind as far as like who fits ucf's um scheme and system what malzahn's done uh matthew sluka who, who's kind of like the he's like the unknown fcs quarterback this year it seems like every year we have like an fcs quarterback or d2 quarterback kind of come on the scene and uh the the cat from holy cross i don't even know if ucf is interested in him by any means but very good athlete can, can can run that system that Malazan likes to run. Had a, like thirty five hundred something yards on the ground the past two years at, at Holy Cross. Now while the competition is is lower, there there are a few things that stood out that, that I think actually translate to most any level. Uh, like like when you see guys passing, I like to see okay how much is off play action, how much is just a straight drop back. Play action is great. I think he would fit a system like Malazan's offense great but most of his um passing was actually just straight drop backs and so he had to go through reads he didn't have the uh, assistance of getting players out of position with the play action or, or the fake 
but with that said, I thought he would be a really good fit at UCF. Again, no idea if he is being recruited by them. Two other names that come to mind that I think could be good fits. Uh, Daquan Finn, the quarterback from Toledo, uh, best quarterback in the MAC this past year. Uh, that been the start of the past, what, three seasons or so, 60-plus touchdowns in the air, 20 or so picks. Does a decent job taking care of the ball, but also a really good athlete as well. I think he could elevate the passing game for, for UCF and still be a threat on the ground. Then then kind of a wild card name uh, I would throw one would be Nate Johnson, quarterback from Utah. He played some 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 this year was was a uh, was spotty and then Bryson Bryson Barnes took over but Nate Johnson one's like a like a 10 500 meter guy out of high school uh, really good athlete so if you want to like go back to like get Gus Malzahn you know he had Nick Marshall at, at Auburn he could be that type of player but really electric athlete uh, no idea where he's looking or if that's even a possibility uh, but a really good athlete who you know with some some polishing of the throwing uh part of his game could, could potentially be be a fit there and there's some underrated guys some other guys but those three names kind of come to mind uh a few other guys that that i thought would be good fits are already off the board uh they seem to be going quicker each day no coincidence you made a bit of a money side you said quicker there but uh so i, I you know i've been carving out a lane um and, and i wanted you to talk more about daquan finn for some reason Stephen, I ended up watching the Mac championship game. I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> it's it great. No, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it happened. I, you know, blackout moment. I'm not sure, but but Finn jumped off the screen at me. He seemed like yeah. a really good athlete, a really good player. He's obviously got eye popping stats. Maybe not the best downfield passer I've ever seen, yeah. but can you break his game down a little bit more? Again, he's he's a name yeah. that I'll be the first to try to say out there. Maybe he's a fit for UCF, but what do I know? But yeah. uh, you've obviously seen him play. What, what do you think about his fit in, in Gus's system? Yeah, I definitely think he is a fit. And the thing that stands out with Finn for me is this: the kind of production, the experience factor like i think you know what you're getting with finn it's not like he like uh struggled one year then put up eye pupping numbers and has gotten better and better each year he's been pretty consistent since his year starting uh, and like like you said the yards per attempt like he's not driving the ball downfield uh at, at a rate that you see a lot of like elite level quarterbacks in college football have but from fitting in the offense i think when when you bring finn in now while the level of play is tougher in the big 12 and the mac he's got a ton of experience and a ton of production uh the, the, these past few years so I think just the experience of production alone would be a, a potential benefit. And, and Finn, I know, is probably getting suited by by several different schools. I think he was supposed to be at Baylor this weekend or, or coming up. So, you know, there's some pretty decent-sized schools out there um, trying to get him. But I think he'd be a really good fit at at UCF uh, just with the offense that he, he ran, the skills that he has, but just the, the production that he has. I think it's a – I think it's a pretty high floor if for some reason he didn't, you know, live up to, to the hype essentially. How surprised have you been about the number of quarterbacks entering oh, the portal? Honestly, I don't know if I've been that surprised just based off of the past few seasons. And I just, this is just like tracking everything. Um, it, it, it's crazy. It, 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 it's hard to keep up with though. Like, even though I like, it was kind of, I thought expected and I'm, we may get some more quarterbacks after bowl games that put their names in. Um, but, but it's, it's just so hard to keep up with this. It's almost chaotic. Uh, but there's a lot of good quarterbacks still left in in, in the portal. And, um, you know, it's just – it's without getting too much detail, it's crazy that, you know, you have – I was talking to someone today. I won't name any names or schools, but uh, this person no, was – No, but you, you can tell us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they went into a, a coach's office, and on the recruiting board, uh, you see – you know, you have, like, your, your high school guys, your transfer guys, all this stuff. And on their transfer portal side, there are players that were still – practicing at schools not even in the transfer portal that were like on their list uh so it's just kind of like it, 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 it's just crazy and, and chaotic uh but i think the quarterback position i think we're always going to see just just this chaos and it's going to be interesting to see like what happens right do like four and five star quarterbacks now get used to sitting a bit longer because all these transfer guys are you know bouncing from from school to school like it almost seems like if you're an average to an above average quarterback at the college football level and you don't have like a a real shot at the NFL that, you know, maybe it's normal to go three or four schools. Um, but that, that's what's kind of seeming, seem like it's going on right now. So, uh, but yeah, not, not too surprised, but still pretty chaotic with the number of quarterbacks. Last time I checked, it was like, like yet the, a few days ago, I, I put out a tweet. I was like, Hey, there's like a hundred quarterbacks in the transfer portal as of right now. And then like 45 minutes later, it was like one Oh four or something. So uh, definitely guys are still coming in, like, like Malik Murphy coming in today from Texas. Uh, so I, I would expect some more to to come in and, and, you know, continue the chaos. It makes it fun for us to keep up with and, and you know, something that we, we enjoy to do. So, 
You said a guy that's been at three or four schools. That's also known as the Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, I, I was going to okay. bring him up. I don't know if that's a yeah. core subject or what. So <laughs> uh, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that that is that's very true. Yeah, that's who I thought of, and actually, I I said that. So, um, Matt Rule, the Nebraska coach, uh, quoted recently as saying, "You know, a really good quarterback may cost you a mil, million five or more." Yep. What are you hearing uh, about the the tiers and the going yeah. rates? Yeah, that, that that's gonna be pretty accurate. Like, um, I, I just just from hearing from from people like like some of the elite guys that you might imagine have been that two plus range. Uh, but at the same time, I think I think that just because like I think Matt Rule what he said was accurate. But at the same time, are there really like that many elite guys in the portal right now? So I think we think okay, everyone's getting one one point five two million whatever it may be. But I, I think it's for those elite guys, yes. But the guys like you know. I don't want to say any names, but like is, is, I don't know if there's like a guy like that in the portal this year, besides like a Cam Ward, like is Will Howard going to get 1.5 million? Like I, I, I'd, I'd be shocked, but uh, I, I would probably say it's more than that seven, 800. But for example, there was a, a big power five school this year who their third string quarterback was getting 500 K their starter was like one point something. And their second string guy who their huge recruit was like two. So it's definitely, at least that's what I'm, I could be like totally wrong. And who knows if they actually get paid out. Uh, but I think that's a pretty accurate statement when it comes to like your top guys. But then I think, I think like your top guys are like a small tier, if that kind of makes sense. So it's not like every quarterback is getting that. Steve, it seems like there's a bit of a log jam right now and people are waiting on Cam Ward, you know, DJ Ungalele to kind of make decisions. Do you, do you think once some of those bigger names kind of come off the board, you'll start to see a lot more movement with schools and quarterbacks finding homes? Yeah, I, I do. And I think we've seen some of, right? Like, I think you've seen like maybe the middle tier guys may, maybe start committing with, um, you know, with, with Tyler Van Dyke going to Wisconsin, uh, you know, had some moments at Miami, but, you know, struggled as well. So mid tier guy, he's committing. Then you got the, the Georgia backup quarterback going to, to Kentucky. So I think you've seen some like mid tier guys get there. Now it's like, I think once those, the top guy commits, I think you start seeing those shuffles. I think we saw Aiden Childs commit to, to Michigan State today, if I'm not mistaken, or, or yeah. recently soon. Um, but yeah, I think like like Cam Ward, Will Howard, and DJU, those are probably like what your top three guys left. Maybe Malik Murphy is thrown in there now. So I definitely think like once one of those goes, I think we see some like uh, like like Miami. They've had several guys visit, if I'm not mistaken. So I think like once Miami gets their guy, or if like Cam Ward goes to Miami, then like the the, the second suitor comes into place. Uh, would be my guess and kind of what it seems. So, uh, but who knows, maybe Cam Ward goes to the NFL or something, but yeah, I, I think to your point, I do think we'll start seeing some of these top tier guys shuffle, but, um, you know, maybe it's after bowl season too. Um, but, but yeah, it's definitely a, um, a, uh, uh, something you keep up with every day. Uh, because like, like with Kyle McCord, right. For Ohio state, we kept hearing Nebraska, Nebraska, Nebraska. Now it doesn't really seem that way. Uh, so it's just like the tide shifts, the tide changes. So, um, it's like, who the hell really knows, but <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad we had you on and you're an expert in the <laughs> this, this may be the, the most naive question ever asked on the sons yeah. UCF show, but what is the priority for quarterbacks choosing schools? I mean, I assume it's NIL, right. Um, uh, but it, I mean, does scheme, does coaching, does yeah. visibility, like when you're talking to kids and coaches, is it truly NILs driving the decisions or how much do those, do those other things kind of factor in you think the decisions quarterbacks are making? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I don't think NIL, man. I mean, I think every kid is so different, uh, but, but there's a few that, that we've been privileged to work with where NIL really is not big of a deal. They, they know it's coming that uh, they have, you know, their sights set on bigger things. I think where NIL becomes a bigger deal for quarterbacks is, is when you have quarterbacks who, like we mentioned earlier, who are not NFL guys, but can make six, seven, eight hundred K playing college football. And if they tried to go, um, you know, and, and maybe their practice squad at best at the NFL. And so I think that's where NIL becomes comes into play where, where for a guy who's probably pretty sure he's a veteran guy and he's played a few years and he's like, man, I'm probably not going to the league. I think that's when NIL becomes the most important thing. Now, if you have a guy who, who's younger and a guy who has like his sights set in the league. So if I'm like a big five-star guy, I'm getting paid regardless where I go. And so I'm not going to worry about a few hundred K here and there. That's where I'm thinking, okay, what's the best scheme? What's the best fit? What's going to get me to the next level? Because as great as NIL money is, it, 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 it can't even sniff at how good, you know, top NFL money is, uh, especially if you're a first round quarterback and you get that 20 plus million guaranteed. So 
I think it's different. I think it's individually based. I think we have one camp who is NIL focused, who knows you're not going to get to the next level or uh, knows I can make more in college and, and the chances to make a team at the next level are, are, are pretty slim. Then you have the guys who are looking to be developed and looking for the scheme uh, and looking for the coaching around them. So if, if we would ask, if we would ask this question, you know, four years ago, it's all about scheme, all who's developing you. Um, but then the same, like if we want to use Malik Murphy as an example, like he could have gone and got a pretty decent bag this off season, but he stayed at Texas just because he wanted to learn from Sark and be around Sark. So I think that's an example of, of kind of knowing your worth, but at the same time, knowing I can get better just by being around this play caller. And then when the time comes, I'll be able to go to go, you know, get the bag essentially. So don't know if that answers your question in a great kind of statement, but I think it depends on the kid and depends on like the level of talent the kid has. Today we saw in UCF land, the highly touted quarterback EJ Colson announced that he was reclassifying from a 2025 class to a 2024 class. What do you think the impact is of all the portal movement on the high school kids? Yeah, it's um, so. So I was talking to a, a recruit's dad the other day, and he was kind of saying it's like it's like F, it's like you have like FCS ball and D two ball are getting a lot better because you have all these high school kids who are maybe like fringe D one or low D one guys who are now having to go to to FCS and D two. Uh, so I think it is having an effect. I don't know if it's going to be like super long term. I think the COVID kind of rule or the COVID extra the, the extra year that that COVID guys got. Uh, I think that's playing a bigger effect because you have guys playing six, seven years, um, you know, guys with, with mortgages that are, you know, 26 playing college football still. But um, again, Dylan Gabriel. Comes <laughs> <by>. <laughs> hey, hey, you said it, not me. But um, <laughs> but but I, th- I do think it is affecting. But at the same time, like, hey, if you're a really good college player, uh, high school player, like they, they, they want you, they're going to find you. That's still the path to to be successful. The transfer portal is definitely playing a role like the guys that, that, that will be involved with our work with, it's just like, yo, just, just go be better. Like just find a way, this is work. Let's get it done. Um, let's find a way to be better. Or like you, you offer some value. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely is kind of seeming like it is playing, it's playing an effect. It's, you know, almost like that minor league effect where you go to the FCS, you play good. Then you think you can go to D one. That's not always the case. I think we hear about the good players, but most of the players get lost in the shuffle and the transfer portal too, where they have a good season at this school, they jump in X and then they have to, go to a lower level because maybe they they um, they shot their shot and weren't, weren't very successful. Steven, we appreciate you spending some time with us and have enjoyed the conversation. Check uh-huh. out Steven's work with Quarterback Spotlight. Thank Steven, you. thanks for being with us on Suns Live. Thank you. I appreciate you. Have a good one. Thanks, All right. Steven. Thank you. Insightful, Adam. It's uh, we're, we're learning as we go along here. Uh, and this process has changed, I think, about where we were a year ago at this time and where we are now. And it's changed a lot. Yeah, it's a new day in college football, right? I think we're all seeing that. We saw the the temporary restraining order come down this week on second transfer stuff. I mean, I think the, the college athletics world continues to get crazier by the day. And at this point, there's no there's no slowing down. I don't think there's no there's no horizon where it says, hey, this is going to kind of you know slow or peak a little bit. So enjoy the ride, I guess. It's just kind of the, the new era and, and embrace it and, and figure out how to work with it. And I think as we've talked about, uh, you know, in that baseball analogy, UCF's not going to be the New York Yankees. Uh, there are a lot of those schools that are going to have those deep pockets. They got to be Moneyball. They got to be the Tampa Bay Rays. They got to be smart with their selections and hit on them, perhaps certainly better than they did last year. Question for you: We got two bowl pickums. Uh, we got bowl games starting no. up. We've got Mike's. No. Right? no, no. So here's the thing. So official ruling from the Sons of UCF. We did the the pool tracker, the uh, the Oregon Trail themed uh, pool <laughs> tracking system that we had throughout the season. That has ended. They um, apparently at some point offered up a postseason opportunity. We only assumed it was it was regular season. So that's what we we told people. So that has ended. CFB Home is the champion of that of that winter uh, pool situation. I've contacted him. He's going to get his swag. Miles started a, a pick on ESPN, which is actually a website from the 2000s. And so that is now available. If you go to either our Twitter feed or Miles' Twitter feed, you can get in on the bowl pick uh, Game starts Saturday, so you got to get your picks in. Again, winner will get a Sans hat. So the regular season pool tracker has come to an end. CFB home edges out UCF girl by percentage points on a tiebreaker, but new contest coming up on the, uh, on the ESPN app for, uh, for bull pick again, just search sons UCF or go find our Twitter feed or at underscore all night underscore. And you can, uh, you can hop in the contest.
Now, I made my picks today on Mike's uh, one, and those are just Big 12 games. With Miles, right, they're all the bowl whole games. Thing. I got to know about 41 of these games. Whole thing, yeah. No, you got you to gotta do some research, Trace. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah, I, or just, I do not just, feel just Christmas tree. Christmas tree, that thing. You're That's fine. how that will be. Yeah. I will base it on nicknames. Which nicknames? Helmets, logos. Uh, I don't think I'm going to do a great deal of research. We got one coming up Saturday. We're going to give away some tickets as well. Our man Andrew Cherico went out to the Cure Bowl presser. Uh, this week. Now, by the way, he's he's good with the video. I think it's been very creative how he framed himself in this quick shot with uh, CEO Alan Gucci, who joined us about seven minutes into the interview last week on Sense of UCF Live. Audio a little bit better for this one, but uh, uh, Andrew asked him about the Cure Bowl being played in the bounce house this year. For Hurricane Ian came in and pelted the video boards there, so they had to pull those down. And right now, Sporia Stadium is under construction getting new video boards up in the stadium so we could not play the game there this year we needed to move it and we, we decided as a board to move the game to UCF and the, the the primary reason is to get in front of Night Nation um, so Sons of UCF blasted out to Night Nation you ask we deliver coach Gooch and we want to thank the Cure Bowl for giving us Five pair of tickets, and you've been busy giving them out. Uh, you've been running it on uh, social media, sending some entries, and and uh, I've been sending out the tickets from the uh, the transfer window there. Yeah, proud to announce here are our five winners: Professor Leisure, Night Fan Adam, Chad Rux, Naples Knight, and Clayton Tress. You have been selected. Each of them gave us a story about some bowl memories, their times, good ones. bowl games, some really good memories. Uh, really, especially love the one Naples Knight sent in too. So uh, everybody enjoy the game, enjoy the tickets, uh, have a good time with the Cure Bowl. Also, I'm dying to know who that second person was that Andrew <laughs> cut out of the shot. <laughs> Can I get a name tag on that guy? And Coach Gooch with the uh, with the undershirt and just the suit jacket. It's a bold move. I don't know if I can pull that off. That's a bold move. But either way, you five enjoy the uh, enjoy the Cure Bowl. All right. Uh, thank you, Andrew, for being out there and uh, for all of you who entered in and enjoyed the game on Saturday. Before we talk a little bit men's basketball, let's go around the Big 12 with Jeff Allen. We focus on volleyball on this edition of the Big 12 Minute as fifth-ranked Texas defeated number two Stanford last weekend in five sets to advance to their 15th Final Four. The Longhorns have made the Final Four in 11 of the last 16 seasons. Texas, as a two-seed in the tourney, will face off against a one-seed at Wisconsin on this Thursday evening in Tampa. The winner will advance to the championship game against the winner of the Nebraska-Pittsburgh match in a battle of one-seeds. 11 Big 12 players were named to the annual American Volleyball Coaches Association's D1 All-America teams. On the first team, Ashia O'Neill of Texas. She's the daughter of former NBA player Jermaine O'Neill. Joining her also her Longhorns teammate Madison Skinner on the third team. Kenneth Sauer of Houston, Reagan Cooper of Kansas, Melanie Parra of TCU, and honorable mention from BYU, Whitney Bauer and Aaron Livingston, Kate Georgiatis of Houston, Naeli Gonzalez of Iowa State, Cameron Turner of Kansas, and Alea Carter of Kansas State. Meanwhile, seven players are drafted in the Pro Volleyball Federation draft. The PVF season kicks off on January 2nd. The first overall pick, Ashia O'Neill of Texas, in the second round, going ninth overall, Whitney Bauer of BYU went to the Atlanta Vibe, who are led by former UCF coach Todd Dagenet. The 11th pick overall, Sydney Boulding of K-State, went to the Grand Rapids Rise. And the 14th pick overall, Reagan Cooper went of Kansas, went to the Columbus Fury. In the third round, Kennesaw of Houston goes to the Grand Rapids Rise as the 18th overall pick. The number 20 overall pick, Kamel Hiapo of BYU, goes to the Atlanta Vibe. And with the 21st pick overall, Abby Hansen of UCF was drafted by the Omaha Supernovas, but was traded to the Orlando Valkyries after that selection. So she will stay here in the city beautiful. With your Big 12 Minutes, I'm Jeff Allen. Gotta like some of these nicknames, the Omaha Supernovas. But now she's a Valkyrie. <laughs> I just appreciate his ability to pronounce those names. That's I know that first one. So I try to pronounce the tough names where I can. I, I admire Jeff for uh, giving it a go there. From Andrew Cherico, that person in the video with uh, Alan Gooch is uh, Jordan. He's with the Orlando Sports Foundation, an un 
build cameo there. Is Jordan, Jordan like Madonna? Does he have a last name or is just Jordan? Just Jordan. I just, okay. I just know Jordan. If Andrew's you can supply more. Hi, Jordan. Jordan, thanks for coming out, buddy. We will ask. Uh, we talked about oh so close with Grayson McCall. Oh so close for men's basketball. Loses 70-68 to Ole Miss. Ugh, tough one. Let us talk about it a little bit more with Ben Hazel, former UCF development coach, who comes back and joins us on Sons of UCF Live this week. Ben, hello. What's up, fellas? How you guys doing? Well, I'd have been better if the Knights had shot uh, better from three, four of 22, and struggled a little bit at the line. And you look at those things when you lose a game by two. Yeah, no, those are definitely some areas to improve. But, you know, can we get a foul? Can we get a foul? <laughs> Can we get one? I don't know. Like if I, I feel like if we're in Kansas, at Kansas, at Baylor, Texas, I feel like their refs would notice where they're at and say, hey, I can give that foul. Ole and Miss got some 28 times to the line in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was definitely a slugfest. Um, the guys were really playing hard. So I, I couldn't, you know, you, you walk out encouraged at least, you know, they're really buying into what Coach Dawkins is talking about. But Again, we just really need to find somebody that can uh, make a shot from the outside. Darius Johnson with 25 points. They needed him to make that first free throw right there at the end. And yeah. then he misses that one and it changes the equation for him. But it kind of worked uh, to their advantage. They, they get the steal and they, they had a chance there. Yeah, he got a deflection that he never gets. I mean, that's a play that most of the time on the staff we say stop doing that. But I even talked to him after. He couldn't believe that he actually tipped it. So he thought, you know tip the ball we got the ball there's nobody down here we're at least going to get a foul and being right next to the guy I mean I still can't I'm not over it if you can't tell I'm not <laughs> over it. <laughs> ben we saw the debut of Antoine Jones he came in the game had an immediate impact two really nice assists play with some energy give us a scouting report on Antoine what, what kind of player is he what can we expect from Antoine extremely versatile extreme very strong a guy that knows how to play I mean he's played in a lot of places and played at a very high level so he knows how to fit in. Uh, he can make pretty much any play. I feel like one play that I actually, you know, thought that he might shoot that ball in the corner when he got it, if he had made the first three. But it was just a lot to ask for with it being his first game back. But that is a shot that he is capable of making, and I do expect in the future for him to take it. Well, who, who is that guy, Ben? I think in this game, we saw Chi-Chi, Marcellus Avery, kind of really was that sort of go-to guy, especially the shooter from the outside. Is he... Is he kind of that shooter? I mean, every year UCF's had a bit of a kind of a sharp shooter, right? Yes, the old Horton last year comes to mind, right? They typically have that guy that can that can shoot from the outside. Who is that guy for UCF? Who is that outside threat on this team? As far as main contributors, it's going to have to be him and Jalen. And I think that's a little bit different for Chi-Chi, just how much we're actually calling for him to shoot the ball and him being open. I think it's something you see him pump fake a lot, which is a great play for him. But it's like, hey, you're in that situation enough to where you can actually let it fly a little bit more than you're used to. Um, so that's something that I think he's getting adjusted to. Like even that three that he made late, it was like he was forced into it, but he looked really comfortable doing it. And it's like, hey, you can do more of that if you just accept the fact that that's something we're asking for from you. It's not where you've been in the past where they probably weren't looking for you to do it at the same clip. Um, but really just those two, him and Jalen, are the guys that we're going to have to rely on to make shots. And then, of course, it's always an added plus if Darius can go two for five like he did, but we really just didn't see Jalen um, step up in that space as far as making shots from the outside. Well, let's talk about Jalen a little bit more. He's cooled a bit. I mean, still good performance, but cooled a bit. How concerned are you if he's if his numbers are limited uh, and, and where the offense is going to come from in games? Well, I don't think it's necessarily that he's cooled so much. I think it's more of teams are giving him a lot more attention. Right. We talked about this early in the season as as we go through stages of this non-conference and conference, the scouting reports get a little bit better and teams start to try different things to limit your best player. So I think the same thing can go for us, though. Like they had uh, the kid Murray at the point guard spot who's had 25 the past two games. But I think the guys were really aware of that and made sure that didn't happen today. So the defensive side of the ball is something that, you know, a lot of teams put a lot of emphasis on. And they're trying to take that away. So I don't really, I'm not, it's not something that I'm worried about. I mean, he's playing really hard. He's taking open shots when they come. He's being aggressive. So he's not a guy that I'm too worried about as far as his overall production. Uh, I think what is going to come down is just guys getting more comfortable, guys seeing what the defense is taking away, which might be him a little bit more than it was in the past, and uh, adjusting accordingly. 
want to let you hear a soundbite from head coach Johnny Dawkins after this Ole Miss loss. I asked him, uh, you know, a loss like this, it, does it make the team angry? And what can they do with a loss like this? In the locker room post game, but did you sense anything else from them? Maybe an anger about the way this went down, or a first, I mean, how would you I characterize? Mean, just the, you know, I, you know, I never talk about you know what our guys are doing in the locker room, but you're absolutely right. You know, you could you could you could, you could feel the disappointment. You could see it in their eyes, and uh, you know, I saw what I wanted to see. I, I want to see guys where, where it hurts, but there's an anger. I mean, anger is good as if you use it the right way, and it's up to us as the coaches to make sure we use it the right way. But it should hurt. You know, we had a chance to, to you know, beat a team that's, that's playing very well. They're a really good team. And, uh, you know, we didn't come up. We came up short. And so it should hurt us. But now what do we do with that? This is where our maturity comes. What do we do? We have to grow from this experience. Now Ole Miss is 25th. Uh, after the win over UCF, they have a perfect record on the season. And this is indicative of the kind of game that UCF may see when Big 12 play starts in just a couple of games. What did you make of Coach's response there? Uh, Coach is never happy with with losing, no matter if it's one point, 20 point, or 25 points. But I think the team felt the exact same. Uh, if you talk about what they are talking about in the locker room to a certain extent, uh, it's really just they felt they should have won. And they felt where they gave it away was that they gave them too much respect early on, especially on the defensive end. As you saw the game go on, you see them start to ratchet that up. They start getting a lot more aggressive guys really, you know, stepping it up as far as the game going on. But I think it was a little bit of a feeling out process, which Coach Dawkins harps on of saying, you know, that's not something you could do in good games against good teams. It has to be full tilt from the very jump in, you know, losing by two points is – you know, really just a telltale sign of that. Ben, what do you, what do you do about free throw shooting? I know in, after my illustrious high school career, which saw zero scholarship offers after I graduated, um, I, I mean, we used to have to make them when you're tired, run suicides when you miss. What, what do you do for a team? How do you sort of get that free throw shooting rhythm back after a tough game like this? I mean, it's like everything else. You got to do it a lot. But with free throws, which makes it so much harder, is that it's the only line that doesn't change throughout your entire career. Right? So you can't make them it's not necessarily that you physically can't it's the mental side of the moment what you're thinking about you know how it feels when the gym is packed those are the things that really separate it but of course just getting in the gym and repping it out to where you are comfortable in those pressure situations is what you want or what you can control as a coach and that's what I'm sure they're going to be doing a lot more of uh, coach Dawkins famous drill everybody's on the line you got to make your two or we're running so go down the entire team. So stuff like that is something that coach does already. Um, but I'm sure they might go through it a few more times this week. Look, I'm not trying to start a controversy here, Ben, but you just mentioned something. Obviously, it's a tough time of year for students. They're, they're already back home. Finals are over. The attendance was a little sparse on, on, on Sunday. How much does that impact players when you're not playing in front of a full house like that? Again, I know there's reasons why, but is there any impact to maybe a, a, a less than full stadium or a less than full arena for the players? Not against Ole Miss. So when you're playing teams that you kind of anticipate, you don't really need to worry about it. You know, like even our FAU scrimmage, you know, I know it's intense in there just because FAU is coming off the run that they had, the gym's empty, but we know what it means and who that team is and things like that. Where it comes into play a lot more, where it should, shouldn't show up but does, as a former mid-major guy, we got some wins over Christmas, uh, is these next two games where it's, we're about a week or two into this holiday break. You know, guys are a little bored. They're a little tired. They're looking ahead to conference play. And then you have these two games that you don't really think much of. Um, and then that's where you tend to see a slip and tend to see a close game that shouldn't be one. Uh, but for Ole Miss, I don't think that played a factor. You mentioned the next two, Monday against Maine, 7 o'clock at the arena, Thursday against Florida A&M. Also a seven o'clock tip. What do you want to see from the Knights in these two games? I guess some energy, right? And no lull. Yep. So that's the main thing. I mean, I want to see what we've been able to do defensively, but I want to see it for the full 40. I mean, I sound like your standard coach, but even Ole Miss, I mean, I don't think we've put together a full, a full defensive game or just a full game in general. Of course, the offensive part, you know, I would love to see us make some shots, but I think the effort level being front to finish where we're not being reactive, where we're attacking from the very get, uh, is something that I would like to see against Maine um, and FAU, really. All right, Ben, we appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us on Suns Live, and we will talk to you again soon. 
as always, in last update, the women's team still undefeated. Stay on top of that. Ben, hold on. Before you go, can, can I get your update? I, I need a, I need a wardrobe. The the video before you we showed a guy with a plain shirt on and a suit jacket. Is that a good look? And can can people pull that off? Is that a look you would try to pull off? I don't know. I don't know. That's one. That's a tough one. I, you got to ask me. Like I got to make sure I got a haircut and like we got to go to the shoes and like there's a lot of factors that go into that one. But you know, if you can do it, it is a good look. But it, I'm not there yet. Do you want to bring up the clip? Uh, can you bring up the clip of Coach Gooch? Can we? Well, can there's we there's multiple people on this clip for for sure. Hurricane Ian came in and pelted the video boards there, so they had to. That's that, yeah. that's the look. I, I've seen that's a picture of you, Ben. Though you've got a bow tie on. Are you a bow tie guy? Are you a regular tie guy? Are you a no tie guy? A hundred percent bow ties. Yeah, I was a little salty when I was coaching because I was expecting to be suited and booted, so I had the entire wardrobe for the whole season laid out, and then you know I forgot we're in Florida, so. It, it looks a little crazy wearing suits in Florida, but you know, I do have them, and I'm a bow tie guy to the core. Well, next week on the show, I mean, if you feel like you need to dress up, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, do what if you got to do. Kansas, if we beat Kansas, I will definitely wear a suit. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bookmark it. Okay. Bookmark it. Now let's clip that though that he's a bow tie guy. I like that. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Ben, appreciate you. Thanks, Thanks Ben. You guys have a good one. Ben is a bow tie guy. That is what we. I can't even. I can't even tie a bow tie. So he's he's already steps ahead of me. I don't even know how to do that. Uh, Although Patrick Nurse, he does rock the fedora. Maybe there's something there too. Like I can't pull that off either. So I'll tell you what. If you want to be on that jumbotron at the arena, find this Patrick guy. Patrick, Nurse. I don't. He, yeah, I don't know how the much cameras find him dancing, needs, moving that fedora. Patrick Nurse needs nil money because he is on a lot of billboards. I saw him on like the pregame video thing of the of the football game. He, if we're not paying this guy the kingdom, I mean, what are we doing? And talk about style. And the jacket too. Yeah, he pulls the yeah. jacket off nicely. Always, yeah, always looks good. Doing something a little new this week. I want to thank some of our friends that have been great supporters, including a guy that's just prolific in his writing at uh, the sons of UCF.com throughout the football season. He is Dolly Drama and he introduces our next segment. It's your favorite son's columnist and follow on UCF Twitter. Now we go around the kingdom. How do you, how do you evaluate that look? The glasses, the, the ski cap? What? It's uh, it's, it's Dolly. I mean, it's, 62 outside. I don't know if the, the beanie was necessary, but it's a good luck to Dolly. Uh, ben mentioned women's basketball. Eight, no, best start in program history. They beat New Orleans 72-45. They've got FAU Monday at two, then Tuesday, Morgan State at two. Promotion for that one, ugly sweater game. What's your ugly sweater game? Strong to quite strong. I think I have at least two or three in the closet that, I, I mean, they're not on me, obviously, but Feel, I feel good about my ugly sweater uh, game if, if needed. I, I can I can break one. I think I've actually worn one on the show one time. Speaking of what you're Pantera wearing, you're, you've got the soccer jersey. You've been talking about that for a long time, that yes. you wanted to uh, to have some soccer. I don't I don't love this particular look of the soccer jersey. This isn't my favorite. I like the one maybe three years ago, but I do appreciate that. We finally have some soccer merch out there, so glad to rock the soccer jersey. Speaking of men's soccer, they finished 19th in the final United Soccer Coaches Poll, which would sound great if they weren't number one and lost a couple of games towards the yada, end. Yada, yada, yada. that they Deep. were going to finish 19th. Positive. Positive, Trace. We finished ranked in the top 20. That's as, how, how often has that happened? Well, I'll wait. It uh, did not happen for volleyball. Yeah. It did not yep. happen for women's soccer. So here we go. Bring it all sport. Positive, Trace. It is Sons in. equals positive from here on positive. out. We are a top 20 soccer program. <laughs> Hallelujah. True. There that we go. True. Uh, learned a little bit about our friend Eric Lopez on this week's Around the Kingdom. I'm not sure which clip you've chosen, but uh, he surprised me with some of his. Uh, his oh, you know full well which clip I chose. <laughs> Elo, if, if an organization was recruiting you and they needed to take you someplace to really kind of wine the dine to, to seal the deal for you. Where do they need to take you? What's what's the spot that you can take Eric Lopez to really impress him to sign with your organization? Definitely, I, I would go, wow, there's a, a few good options. Definitely, uh, and if there's an NBA sporting event, give me that, right? Okay. Give me a, a really expensive restaurant, all right? Let's do that. And then there's an establishment that I will not mention 
uh, because it's a family show. But uh, you know, like it's an adult show. entertainment club, Elo. Is that what your analogy here? I mean, if you want to get close, <laughs> hey, entertainment, baby, let's go. I mean, I, was, I did not I, expect that. I said, I said enough. one. Elo planned a weekend. <laughs> I, I, I just. I didn't see that. I didn't know that was that was certainly not 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 scripted uh, at all. Although I have not seen Erickson, so I don't know where he's at. <laughs> so fair he's enough. two more punches away at Rachel's <laughs> for something free. I don't know. Uh, uh, Around the kingdom, you'll find it right now on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. We enjoy doing that show for you every week. All right, our resident Eeyore is up next. It's that time again. Time to open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF mailbag. He just looks negative in that picture. His cornflakes are a little soggy this week. He out with a column at sonsofucf.com saying the future is not so near. I don't think that he was He just looks title, negative but... in that picture. Jeez. <laughs> I think it's tax season or something. Resident Eeyore, a little downer this week. The weather has impacted his usually good mood. Fire up the, you got the music. You got the, uh, it's, it's there. At uh, Ditto Sniffer, I don't recall this uh, in our mailbag before. Not sure if you will be recording before or after Grayson's decision. After, uh, but wants to know why this is the greatest thing if he's if he's here ever to happen to UCF, and uh, since he's not, uh, why we should shut down the university entirely. <laughs> a little dramatic. Luckily, we're more positive in that, Trace. Here's what I would tell you. Look, I, I mean, you got to trust the coaches that. They they had a evaluation. They had a limit they wanted to go to for Grayson McCall. They felt like he was worth that limitation. By all accounts, perhaps that limitation got breached by other schools. And we didn't go all drunk or, drunken sailor spending and blow our budget out. So you got to respect that. We came up with the valuation. He exceeded that. We we held firm. We moved on. And, and listen, you, you think about every year we figure it out somehow, some way, right? It's never really perfect. It doesn't always work out exactly as we want. That's why we're UCF. We don't always get the first opportunity. But you got to hope at some point the coaches will figure out the quarterback situation. Maybe there's good news coming. Maybe there's guys in the portal. So I'm going to lead myself to believe that if it was meant to be, he'd be here. And if not, we'll move on. We'll find something else. And in six months, eight months, nine months, we'll be watching games and we'll be saying Grayson who. And you've been ahead of the curve, by the way, on the Toledo quarterback. And it was interesting that yeah. he came up in our previous conversation. I have no idea if he's coming here or not. Again, I, for some reason, I don't know if I just sprained an ankle and couldn't get off the couch. I watched the MAC championship game for a period of time. He looked good. He looked good. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But again, he was playing Miami of Ohio. So what do I do? At NOSLOLW, with all the hype and excitement for McFall and fans going crazy about him and new donations coming to the collective, do you think this tempers fans' excitement and reaction? players uh, maybe that causes fewer donations if you donate someone i would say that is a tricky balance but they have to ride the emotion and fans got invested in that and some open their wallets to see if that could be a, a difference maker yeah if you're going to donate you're going to donate right like i i think if you're inclined to donate if you believe in nal if it's something that's within your means you're going to donate and every time it's no different trace than when you're watching tv and they have the save the animals commercial on tv right and you go oh man look at that cute puppy let me donate right there's all that impulse buying every retail store in the companies in the, in the nation is open because you have impulse buying so everyone's going to take advantage of the impulse buying but you're not going to impulse buy if you're not going to buy in general so if you're going to donate, you're already probably donating. I don't know that this really got a ton of people off the couch to donate. Yes, it's kind of the impulse buy situation, but those individuals are already in the store. They're already shopping. They're probably already predisposed to buy. So I don't know that it's it's that much of a hoodwink in this situation. However, maybe some who have been donors, maybe at a smaller level, kicked in some more dollars uh, and, and grew their donation a bit. So that may be a positive yeah. uh, side effect. At Cap Beach One, so much being made about getting a quarterback from the portal. How did we survive <laughs> when we had to rely upon our current recruits, does Mackenzie Milton survive the portal after his freshman year? If Josh Allen were available for Wyoming, do we kick KZ to the curb? Wow. That is a great, that is a great is a question. question. That's a great question because 2016 KZ obviously wasn't necessarily gangbusters. He had, a, he had a tough cure bowl, obviously, and there was a lot of, a lot of emotions there. That's it's a really, really good question. And it's interesting, Trace, because, you know, we're on national signing day and, and every year you sign that quarterback and I'm, I'm not saying this about any specific quarterback, but we sign quarterbacks and then they play or they sit for a year. And then already it's like, all right, that guy sucks. Who's next? 
we don't even get a chance to see guys play anymore, which is unfortunate for some of these high school kids um, that we're recruiting into. But it's a great question on KZ because I do think I know there's a question coming up later on about what ifs. It's an interesting what if. What if the transfer portal had been around in 2016? You know, is Mackenzie Milton still wearing black and gold at that point? I certainly think Scott Frost, who was very interested in him early on, would have remained loyal to him, uh, seeing his potential. So on that yeah. end, uh, and KZ just built a little bit differently, but it was a different time, you know, and then we saw what would happen a couple years later when Dylan Gabriel would be a part of that uh, portal environment and how he has approached it at the JC morning is bringing in a one-year quarterback, that being Grayson McCall, better than utilizing a quarterback we already have on the roster uh, that's been developed for over a year. What message does it send to quarterbacks uh, and your ability to develop uh, at the QB position? It is really interesting. We see it with men's basketball, right? Ten new guys um, and, and I think, it, you know, you've been doing the, the podcast with Mike for a number of years, but I, I still go back to what he said. And, it, you know, it makes more and more sense. Over, tell me who's on the roster when, when the first game comes, uh, which is a long time between now and then. So much movement. You're turning your roster over in some way every year now. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I, I would say there's competition in every sport, right? Every sport you play, there's a backup who's trying to take your job in every sport in America, I guess outside of tennis right, and golf, right? There's somebody trying to take your spot. And yes, in theory, you bring somebody in from the portal and that person wants to take your spot, but the guy behind you wants your spot just as much, right? So there's competition all over the place in college athletics and pro athletics. That's just the name of the game. It's what you sign up for when you play. It's not maybe the greatest thing in the world. Maybe it's not great for mental health and whatnot, but it's the way athletics plays out. And I think at some point competition breeds people to kind of bring out their best. And I think we look a lot at the portal and we say, okay, we got some great people, but they're everyone in that quarterback room, um, Dylan risk, Xavier, Xavier Williams, EJ Colson, when he comes in, Riley true, they all want that starting job. They're all competing for it. And so you're going to get that no matter who's in the room, no matter where they come from. I don't think that's ever going to change. And ultimately I think it'll bring out the best quarterback or best running back or best receiver that you can possibly roll out in the field for UCF. And McGuck and EDU, do we ever see a high school quarterback recruit win the starting job again? Or if you're a high school quarterback, why not just go to a smaller school, start right away, throw up big numbers, and then uh, cash in on that. I think that's uh, an interesting move by Colson to, to move up his uh, you know eligibility uh, to enter in at UCF up a year. And he believes in himself, right? He wants to give a run. That's that's really interesting, right? Because yeah, um, Stephen mentioned uh, the backup quarterback for Georgia, Matt Matt Vandergriff, who went to Kentucky, uh, five star kid, went to Georgia, never saw the field, now goes to Kentucky. What is what what was his NAL situation? If that's what he's into, what what's that situation look like? But you, then he mentioned a guy like Cam Ward, who starts at a Carnet Word, has a really good career, goes to Washington State. Now he's a million dollar quarterback in the portal. So. Mm -hmm. You can argue that path actually may have a little bit more juice to it. We'll see how that how that shakes out. But you can make an argument that if you're a quarterback, what you really need to do early in your career is get on the field so you can go to those schools and get some of that money. I think you're going to see far and few between these days where the freshman quarterback is starting. Nebraska may be the exception this year, but you're talking high five-star guys. In some respects, it may be better for a kid to go to a smaller school, an FCF school, whatever, have a good you know, year or two, and then go cash in at the, at the FBS level. And, you know, you used the word valuation earlier. How does that shake out as we move along? And these kids and their families are representing themselves in this, right, without uh, agents involved, uh, you would think, right? And uh, the, the, the way they're valuing themselves, it's it's an interesting thing for them to navigate as well. At Love Not War 311, with all these wide receiver and running back transfers out, is something happening in the background that hasn't been announced yet with our running backs and wide receivers coming back? I think you hit on it earlier. Uh, we think... R.J. Harvey is back, so I'm at the basketball game on Sunday. We, we think the wide receivers, they could change their minds. They could, uh, you know, uh, throw their names in uh, to turn pro or, you know, uh, some of them have options to transfer to other schools. I think that's what we're waiting on is to see the moves. And you hope that the Grayson McCall, McCall decision doesn't tip some guys into to having some doubt there. I mean, something's definitely happening in the background. We just don't know what that something is, but there's definitely something happening. And again, I will remind everybody, I did this last week. I did the week before. I think Matt Lee hops in the portal like December 28th. Yeah, it closes like January 5th. So still plenty of time to, to go. Many changes can be made. We bring in a quarterback. Another school loses somebody. Dollars got get thrown around. Still plenty of time to go. But there's something going on behind the scenes. We just don't know what that is at this point. But Obviously, you know, there's there's one decision or another being made and we all just sit around and, and wait to figure out what that is.
Emptiness for Michael. Baseball season around the corner. Doesn't feel like it just yet. Any lesser known returning players could see making a larger impact in 2024. I don't know specifically about that, but glancing over the roster, a name I am interested in seeing is a Pittsburgh transfer, uh, AJ Nestler. He's just a sophomore. He put up some big numbers uh, before injury. So curious to see how some of these transfer guys come in and what impact they make. I know Michael will have yeah. much more for us during baseball season. Glad he'll be back tweeting up a storm. He does such a good job. Uh, following the night's for us. I think Trace, I think Niger Victor's coming back if I have that right. Yeah. Um and we we need to see improved pitching. I mean that was obviously where UCF struggled a lot last year. He was a he was a, an arm that I think UCF was relying on thought would would do well, but I think you need to see some top line mm-hmm. pitching and who's going to develop out of that out of that staff either from the bullpen or some of the guys coming in. I think we need to really identify who that top line pitcher is going to be for us. Hey, UCF guy 23, what do you think attendance will be like at the conference home opener? They've announced that as a sellout. sellout so yeah. I think that will be a packed house uh and uh, i think the students will be interested. i think even press row trace you may need to clear out seats on press row maybe families friends who knows will be there with you i think you need to clear out seats up there this is true at zebel's ucf or is there a- sell your seat sell your seat <laughs> I, would, I think that would be frowned upon <laughs> oh, selling, oh, fine. Selling i'm just press. trying to help you out to help open you. up open up my jacket got press credentials, uh, media credentials. To help you out. um zebel's ucf is there a ucf football what if scenario still haunts you he throws out a few what if ucf joins the big 12 in 2016 what if a certain player commits to UCF? What if a player doesn't get hurt? What if UCF beats Navy in 2022? Too soon. It's still some PTSD. I think most recently it's if Mackenzie Milton doesn't get hurt, what does that next season look like, uh, you know, uh, for the Knights? I think there's two. You and you and Eric did a great job talking about this on Around the Kingdom. What if t- Brent Key gets the job in 2016 and not Scott Frost. That was always the alleged succession plan, George O'Leary to Brent Key. What if Brent Key gets that job after George steps aside? Where are we then? I think the other what if, Trace, I say this all the time, what if the transfer portal existed after 2017? Where are we at at that point? If after Frost leaves and it's free transfers everywhere, where are we at right now? That's the other huge what if I always think. Mm. True. At Golden Knight underscore the second. If you had to pick which head coach from any current UCF sport, most likely not to be here next year, let go or poach by someone else, who would it be? I think the easy answer is to say that perhaps UCF moves in another direction in men's basketball with Johnny Dawkins. But I'm going to say Cindy Ball Malone, happy birthday. Coach Bear, I think she gets plucked by another program. What? Um, Speculate. Give me, I'll, we're on sock. Give me Scott, Scott, uh, Scott Calabrese. Give me Scott Calabrese. I mean, he's, he's, Top 20 team in the nation, Trace. Really? <laughs> he, he could be a demand. You never know. Uh, at Nightfan94, my sparring partner on Twitter. Which, which Yeah, you guys okay, by the way? You guys going to be all right? <laughs> okay. I have a New Year's resolution for me. I'm not talking about powder blue uniforms. He can talk about it, but I'm not I'm not throwing in anymore. I'm not getting riled up. You're done. It. Yeah, I'm done. No more. I'm not going to wow. react anymore. At Nightfan94 with spring sports still to come. Which UCS sport do you think will end up having the most successful first season in the Big 12? Softball. That is why Sidney Bob Malone goes. Gets track and field. Oh, track and field's a good one. They've had a, a, a high level of success. I think we're fast. I, I, I think we're fast. I like that. Good recruiting, good coaching. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. So we got a question in, and it came on the heels of uh, uh, a fan, a UCF student who mentioned on uh, social media Wednesday night, if you all ever need a young student's perspective, opinion, you know who to contact. So I contacted and said, hey, you want to do something with Sons of UCF? And then it was going to be, he was going to throw in a mailbag question. But then we got one from uh, Riley Carey, 16. Do you think UCF should change the time for when students are allowed to get into the stadium, the football stadium, in the future so they don't leave by halftime? And I said, why don't we do like the old game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Let's phone a friend. Let's ask student Clay, class of 2027, pre-law major, minoring in political science. He had once majored in film. He's considering changing his minor to sports management. He's still deciding a lot of things. And he sent us in a pre-produced video, Adam. This is not your handiwork. This is all Clay. Let's, Let's hear Clay's response to Riley's question. Thank you guys so much for letting me answer this question. And in order to give you a viable solution, rather than just letting students in, you know, 30 minutes earlier, just before some amount of time, is to look into the practices of the University of Florida. Even though I despise them, the way they do their ticket allotments actually works. So you have two options as a student. You can either buy a student season ticket for a little under $100, which guarantees you a spot into every single game, no matter when you show up, whether it's 30 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, one minute, you are guaranteed a spot into the game. Or you can buy single game season t- or single game tickets for anywhere from 10 to 20 bucks. 
also guarantees you a spot into the game. On top of this, I think we should cut one 2,000 seats from the north end zone. Um, my time is too. I've never seen it filled. I think we should just give it to season ticket holders. Um, this will also lower UCF athletic fees since they're getting um, partial revenue from student tickets. I just think we need to redo the entire system. You know, waiting two hours in the stadium in the baking sun to reserve your seat just isn't the way to work. Students don't want to do that, and the incentives aren't working. But anyways, I'm Clay Pasco. Um, you can find me Clay underscore Pasco on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Go Knights, charge on. Hey, our new graphics guy. We and a and a plug at the end. I love it. <laughs> I love the plug. Plugs his Twitter. We were kicking around names. He likes the name maybe Clay's Corner. So maybe uh, if Clay is well received, and it certainly it's certainly some interesting opinion there, don't you think? By the way, he wants to chop out some seats. Uh, Terry Mahajer might like to carve some seats back uh, to yeah. sell. Yeah, I mean, uh, the president of the UCF Twitter Mafia, Patrick Nurses, is supportive of looks like Clay's agenda there. So, look, I, I think it's a unique opportunity. I think there's something that, that could be done there. Um, I, you know, I'm curious how many people would buy the student season ticket. Um, we've always again, when I was there, when you were there, Trace, we got on free with, with student ID, although we didn't have to bake in the sun to, to do that, too. So I do think we can all agree on one thing. The current model today isn't really working perfectly and there's going to have to be a tweak. I think asking people to pay for for season tickets may be a bit of a stretch, but there's got to be something in between there. But I like the the thinking, I like the idea. And I've been saying, I think if we can figure out something with that north end zone, um, standing room only seats, some sort of an outdoor bar situation, I, I think you can maximize that from a revenue standpoint as well. Welcome, Clay, to the sons of UCF family, our eclectic uh, cast of characters. Uh, I mentioned earlier when we had Dolly mixing it up, usually we have a player or a coach tossed to the uh, news and notes and end the show for us. We're going to end with a, a big fan of the show, Ryan. You may know him on uh, social media, Santa Knight. Uh, Adam, I want to thank you for all your good work on this week's show. And always, for Adam Eaton, I'm Trey Strolko. Thank you for watching Sons of UCF Live. And now let's end with this. Well, friendly tip. If you have your volume up high, turn it down <laughs> a couple notches. Oh, I'll tell them right away. Thank you so much. Night Nation, this is Santa Night coming to you live from the night pole. Dear sons of UCF, your letters to Santa have paid off. You're on the nice list. And thank you all for watching. Go, 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 Knights. Charge on. Oh, that is tremendous. Try to warn you. Is that his phone, too, by the way? <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.